bless you and we praise you. Thank you, Lord, for assembling us here today to hear what you have to say to your church. We are your people. When we're gathered together in your name, you do business with us. And we thank you for choosing us to come and visit today. So we open our hearts up to hear what you have to say. And we thank you for your holy word. Open up our hearts. Open up our ears. Engraft this word into us. Give us faith to believe you and do what you want us to do. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. So we're going to talk today about communion with God. If our uh, guest, do you have your Bible with you? I got a Bible. You, I got you do? Yeah. Let me give you, see if you can find a little pad or something, Miss Ingrid, in case you, in case you want to take a note or two. I just always like to give people that option and uh, we thank God. It's not uh, not mandatory. <laughs> we don't quiz you afterwards <laughs> or anything like that. But just in case you want to do that, it's always I got so many notes stuck in my Bible. Every now and then I'll go through myself. Oh, that was a pretty good sermon. Maybe I'll steal that from for the future. But uh, anyway, we're going to talk about communion with God. And that is such an important topic to make sure that we understand because that is really why Jesus came. He came to give us what we call communion, fellowship, uh, friendship, and, and relationship with him. And it's such a glorious thing because when we understand what God, why we're saved, you know, we're not just saved. We didn't make that confession to Christ to uh, just go away for the rest of our time on earth and then meet him in heaven. He actually came to live on the inside of us. He dwells with us and in us. He says he will be with us. And so when, when Isaiah foretold about the coming of Emmanuel, that is God with us. And that means that God wants to walk with us. He wants fellowship with us. He wants companionship with us. And this is what his blood was shed for. It wasn't shed just to pay for stuff, whatever that means to anybody. But he actually bought us to be his own. Amen. To be his prized possession. Uh, if anybody knows anything about uh, relationships, we have all different kinds of levels of relationships. Uh, I, I used to say uh, the first per- people I meet, we, we moved a couple of times, not many times, but the couple of times I did move, I always said the first people I made friends with was the delivery man, <laughs> the FedEx guy, amen. So I made sure I had, but see, that's one level of fellowship, amen. And then there's family relationships, you know, husbands, wives, children. All those, they're different levels of relationship. Well, God wants a special place. He wants number one spot. So that's why he paid for us. He paid for us to have that close relationship with him. Before then, we were estranged from him. Uh, you know that sin always separates you from God. But I praise God that it, it's repentance and confession of sin cleanses us. Brett makes us pure again and brings us back into communion and fellowship with God. So that's a good thing. So in Luke chapter 1, this is probably one of my favorite passages of scripture. It used to always bring tears to my eyes. It still does in a way. 
It really touches my heart, and it's a prophecy given by Zechariah, uh, and, and it talks about what what new covenant fellowship with God is really all about. So it's Luke uh, 1, starting in verse 67, says, And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. For he has visited and redeemed his people. So we've been bought. Amen. We, we were, were stolen actually. This is a ransom. This isn't a slavery type thing. This is being returned back to our rightful owner. Amen. The devil's nothing but a thief. He stole us through deceiving the woman. Amen. And uh, had she known that all the generations after her would be cursed because of her listening and obeying the serpent, she probably never would have done it. But, you know, sometimes the devil, and we all know that, you know, how many times the devil hoodwinked you or conned you into doing something or you thought it was going to be a bunch of fun and it wound up to be nothing but trouble so we all know what that's like but anyway he says he's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David so this spoke to the Hebrew people when they talked about descendants of David they knew the Messiah would come through that line as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets which have been since the world began that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us now we think if you love you treat people right they just gonna do you good listen you're a servant of the most high God when you come into a situation you don't come in by yourself God comes in there with you Amen. And he's got eternal enemies. So that's why he said he fights for us. If you're in trouble, he's right in there with you. That we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. To perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear. So this is what God wants out of us. Know that I don't care who kicks up because you love God or who doesn't like you because you're a Christian, whatever. You are to serve him without fear. Amen. You are not to bow down to the dictates of the enemy. You, you go to God and you talk to him about it and let him know that, that, you know, God, I'm fearful and they, they're threatening to take my job. If I open my Bible up and it's my lunch hour and it's on my desk, what do I do? You understand me? And so he says, you serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, speaking to John, shall be the prophet, called the prophet of the highest. For you shall go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of sins. That's the only way you're saved. You know, there's all kinds of people believing in all kinds of gods, but there's no other God offers an atonement for sins. In fact, many of them, you can ask them, well, what do you do about your sin? You know, you can't face God if you got sin on your soul. How is your sin paid for? And nobody else can answer you that because they don't give them. That's not a question that they they talk about. They talk about obedience, talk about going around the block again and coming back as another form of life or something like that. But nobody just shoots right to the sin question. 
That's why we have it all over any other religion because we're not into works, but we are into the free gift of salvation through confession of your sins. And that's all you need to do. You got to own it. Know that you, you've, you're guilty of it and then right away confess it and it's lifted off of you. And there's no other, no other form of religion offers that. Just, just Christ. And he says, uh, through the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to them who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Peace meaning peace with God, the way of peace. Nobody's after you anymore. God's not mad at you because of your past. If you will confess it to him and accept his free gift of atoning uh, blood and salvation, remission of sins, lifting it off of your soul, making you free from it, free in a way that, that people can't understand. You know, that's that's his peace. And he says, for them, give light to them that sit in darkness. And that's us. We are light to those who sit in darkness. And that's why you share Christ with people. That's why you don't keep him to yourself. And that's why you have communion and fellowship with God. Because we as believers are on a mission on this earth to bring reconciliation of all men to Christ. Amen. Or to God through Jesus Christ. So in communing with God, he wants us, this is the best way to live. The best way to live is to live close to God. To live with a conscious awareness of God at all times. And if he's your friend, it's a good thing. You got me? Uh, sometimes people will, oh, I can't be aware of God. I did this, I did that, or I don't want God to, do I have to talk to him all the time? Well, can't I have some more friends? You understand what I'm saying? It's not about that. So we'll talk about what real communion with God is about. Amen. The word commune really means to say or speak. It also means to subdue. So here we have a picture of you wrestling with yourself, subduing yourself to free yourself up to have time with God. Got it? So what you're subduing here is you're putting away the flesh. You're putting away your carnality. You're putting away, uh, you know, uh, um, whatever, uh, real housewives, unreal housewives, uh, HGTV, you know how we get sometimes we get to or me ID network. <laughs> I got to see the bad people. <laughs> I got to see how this turns out. And so you put away everything that pertains to the world and and subdue yourself under that and and lock into God. Amen. It also means to rehearse or teach. So sometimes what you'll do with God is you plan your day with him. But between you and him, you'll rehearse what your day's going to be about for the whole day. Have you ever done that? Sometimes out now, I'm a good one for lying in bed and <laughs> meditating. <laughs> I'm, I'm deep in prayer. Don't touch me uh, kind of thing. But I'll lie in bed sometimes and God will just show me little pictures of my whole day before I even get out of bed. So I don't get out of bed confused and stunned and wondering what to do and waste half the day doing this or doing that. Now I'm, I'm called to serve God. We all are. You got me? But, uh, uh it, it's important for me 
to not waste time because I have other things to do for God as well. As believers, you need to take the same attitude. You don't have time to waste. You have to be here about your father's business at all times, no matter what level of ministry you feel you operate on. Uh, as a believer, I, I, you know, go out and do the things believers do. I'm not always behind a pulpit when I witness to people and share Christ. You know, I just look like what I look like. You know, uh, sometimes I'll give people my flyer and they'll look at the flyer and look at me and look at me. I say, oh yeah, that's me with my hair combed. You just caught me on Tuesday. That's my Friday picture. You know what I'm saying? But, but you're an everyday person. You love God and you're on a mission uh, in God to share things, share Christ with people. Let people know God loves them. You see all the hate that's spewed out over the airwaves every day. Somebody's always mad at somebody, hating somebody, cussing people. Now, now they use, uh, swear words all over in media. They don't care anymore. Uh, there's such a level of hatred and anger release. Why? The devil does that because his time is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. You think he's going to get more pleasant or people going to get more pleasant as time gets shorter? They're going to get worse. But the Bible says the glory of the Lord is risen upon his people. See, those are the people that sit in darkness and we bring the light. And so communion with God is about bringing the light. Amen. Being prepared at all times as his servant to bring the light. So it also means when you when you commune with God, it means to tell and to think. Just tell God what's on your mind. And he tells you what's on his mind. Learn how to quit asking for your little shopping list of things. Or you know what we do now as faith people. You know, we don't ask the second time. We we just thank him continually. It's the same thing. You know what I'm saying? You know, instead of begging God for something which you really want to do, you say we get spiritual. Oh God, I thank you for for my new home, my my job promotion. My you know, after a half hour of this, you might as well be begging. You understand what I'm saying? It's like you're, I get the I get the hint. And so uh, you know, uh, your confession is more for you to stay in faith for things than to keep reminding God of what He's already told you He's going to give you. You know what I'm saying? But we're working on it. Amen. We get it right. He loves us. He understands our heart. Thank God. And so it also means to think, to enumerate. God will do that with you. He'll enumerate the things that he wants you to do. It means to inscribe. These things get written on your heart. If there's one thing I do know what's inscribed on my heart that I'm supposed to do, I'm called to preach the gospel, you know, to his people. And so into sinners, you know, and, and, and that. And so that gets inscribed every day you wake up with that on your heart. You're aware of it. You're aware of what you're to do. It means to ponder and converse. So as you converse with God, You think with him about the things that you're talking about. You actually share his mind. He shares his thoughts with you. And sometimes they're kind of unspoken verbally, 
But within you, there is a, a, a voice that begins to, to kind of speak to you and map out things or, or will bring certain scriptures to your remembrance, things like that. God has a way of communicating with his children. Amen. He knows how to get his point across to us. It means to muse. In other words, you just sometimes you can just in your spiritual imagination, you can imagine yourself doing different things for God or imagine what it would be like, Lord, if this prayer were really answered, you know, and and what I could do and, and what we could accomplish. And, you know, God, if we really had that level of finance to, for us to, to work with, we could do all the things that are on my heart to do. You understand what I'm saying? And so and it's not like it's a, a if thing. It's an anticipation. You start to make room in your heart for the things that you fellowship with God in. You get understanding of where he's going the other part of it is you begin to take on more of the character of christ that is so important time spent with god changes us it transforms us it allows us to be more like him it develops a, a different sensitivity. The old things you used to be crazy about just drop off of you. It's like you don't even remember where that went. Or sometimes you only remember asking God to take it away. It just left. You understand? It left because there had to be room made for something else new and fresh that God is bringing into your life. So communion with God really means to hold on to his hand. You know, just just keep in touch with him. So the key to spiritual power and fulfillment really is communion with God. I've said many times, you know, in preaching, it's more about relationship than it is about knowledge, steps and formulas. If if you have a good relationship with someone, you're open to whatever it is that they have. You understand what I'm saying? So you can have great knowledge of God. Say you can have a, a doctorate in whatever they give them out in. You know, I see so many doctors all, you know, like one day it's just, they're just Mary or Joe and then, you know, a month later they're doctor somebody. You understand what I'm saying? Um, but I won't even go there. But you, you understand what I'm saying. You can have great Maybe intellectual knowledge, theological knowledge, all of that kind of stuff. I, there's someone that I, I um, know. I've known them almost 20 years now. They still haven't done really what God told them to do. Um, but instead of being obedient, they went and got a degree at a theology school and they're still not happy. They're still not doing what God, because they refuse to be obedient. Because they don't really understand the importance of obedience because they don't really have that kind of relationship with God. See, I see people do things sometimes and I'm looking at it, I say, really? And it makes me want to scream because I know what it would cost me if I did that. You understand what I'm saying? But for them, it's, you know, I can't understand why God's not blessing me. I'm doing everything. I said, really? Are you sure you're doing everything he wants you to do? If that's true, you'd be blessed. There's His His word won't fail. He's, he's not a man that he should lie. Why are you puzzled about the condition of your life and all of that? Because you say you're doing everything he wants you to do. No, you're doing what you want to do for him and calling it obedience. It's true. Because if there's something missing, 
the missing ingredient is usually on our part because God is faithful. He's not going to owe anybody anything. He's not, you're not going to go to him and say, God, when are you going to pay up? I've been doing everything you told me to do. When are you going to pay up? You can't talk to him like that because that wouldn't be true in the first place. You, you don't do everything. One of the things we need to do is learn how to be patient with ourselves and have fellowship with him. Maybe he wants you, you just wants you to hang around. Maybe that little missing piece is missing because he misses you. You got me? We're, we were created to have fellowship with him. See, that's why our earthly relationships fail. Listen, just let me get honest about it. Can we talk? Huh? Our earthly relationships fail because we constantly put people ahead of God. This has got to be right or I'm not happy. It won't be right. Until you get things in the right order. You fellowship with God enough, you'll love everybody. Trust me, you will. I don't have a care in the world. I'm living with God. And that takes all the care away from my life. Amen. So this is the key. This is the key to spiritual power and personal fulfillment. It's communion with God. Having constant fellowship with God. Amen. Enoch walked with God and God took him. That scares most people. I don't want to go anywhere. I I got kids here. I got, I got a job to go to. If he going to take me, I got to be back by Monday so I can clock in and get my paycheck. He going to take me. I want to come back. Y'all act like y'all never been in love with nobody. Yeah, everybody's awake now, right? Go back to sleep. No, that's what you. <laughs> you know what it's like when you're in love with somebody. You don't want it. They leave your house and you back on the phone with them five minutes later talking again. Uh-huh. If you're married, you can't wait to get your clothes off and jump into bed with them. But you can't get close enough to them. Amen. Am I making it plain? Yes, you are. That's where we're supposed to be with God. Amen. Huh? Amen. Oh, I just, I'm too bad. I, I just can't, you know, God's mad at me because I did this. I want to talk to God because I'm... Ouch and amen. Yes. The Bible says everything's naked and open to him. He knows everything that's going on. We think we hiding stuff from him. Huh? <laughs> you understand me now? Somebody you love, you can't get close enough to him. Amen? Don't make me keep going down this street with y'all, okay? Uh-huh. I remember when when I when I was married, maybe like seven or eight years, and my husband would have to travel. They gave him a promotion that took him away from from home, and I would get the last pair of pajamas he wore and put them on when he wasn't there. Amen. You got me. Yes. Yes. Amen. Everybody's. <laughs> What's wrong with her? 
there's something wrong with that. I just, I never do that. Well, you ain't never loved nobody. I love that man. And I missed him when he was gone. And I ain't scared to say it. Or I get his bathrobe. If it smelled like him, I put it on when he wasn't there. Oh, brother, you folks got no romance in y'all so whatsoever. <laughs> Everybody holding their breath. Okay, you can exhale now because I'm done, all right? Anywho, but uh, uh, we're supposed to be like that with God. You got me? You're supposed to be that desiring, that kind of closeness with God. Constant fellowship with him. Loving him, allowing him to love you, letting him talk to you. Sometimes we're scared what God's going to say to us. And if he's going to tell you anything, it's going to be for your good. He is a good God. If, If he points out something wrong, he'll fix it. He's got the fix for everything. He's not just standing there critiquing you and stripping you down and criticizing you like he don't love you. Let's get real, folks. Come on now. You know, it's funny. Now, we can accept earthly love sometimes on the worst levels and on the worst terms with human beings. Got to be around somebody. They treat you bad and you still got to be around them. Why can't you accept love from a God who loves you unconditionally? Wow. Amen. Huh? Amen. See, we run after the cheap and let the expensive. we really, you need expensive love because some of us is really high maintenance. You understand what I'm saying? There's something wrong with us every five minutes. And so you need somebody who, who will love you sacrificially. Will love you even when you complain. Love you when you don't complain. Love you when you do bad. Love you when you do good. They just never change. That's what we all need. That's why we're so frustrated when we we have natural relationships. You got me? God is one relationship. He doesn't care how much you take from him. How much you expect from him. How much you go after him. He pursues you back and he lets you know that you are his beloved. He holds you close to him, close to his bosom. You can hear his heartbeat. And he likes it like that. He never pushes us away, never leaves us, never forsakes us. He won't look at you and see you high and dry and in trouble, even though you got yourself in trouble. He will come for you and rescue you every single time, every single time. You can put him on speed dial and he loves it. Hey. <laughs> know how sometimes you've been calling somebody and all of a sudden that number gets blocked from your phone. <laughs> oh, I think I've been doing this too much. <laughs> or somebody who wasn't expecting to have to pay that much of a penalty for your relationship. Jesus paid it all. He paid the penalty for being close to us. Amen. And he did it willingly. He did it out of love. He did it so that it can last forever. Amen. Who is that making that noise? Oh, is that, oh I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's okay. 
Yeah, we we used to have a sign, put it on silent, but everybody knows. <laughs> All right, amen, praise God. So <clears throat> we say that Enoch walked with God and God took him. It It wasn't like he went out for a stroll one day and never came back. Amen. Amen. It means that he consistently walked with God. He sought God on a daily basis. Your spirit desires to be taken up by God. Did you know that? Your spirit man wants this relationship. It's your flesh that you got to subdue. You got to overrule that guy or you won't have the spiritual relationship that Jesus died to provide for you. So God is your father and you long to be close to him. Your spirit man, the real you, the you that's alive longs to be close to him. So there is a longing in each heart for closeness, companionship, and fellowship with God. So we all long for that in every heart. Sometimes we settle for people. Can I put it like that? You get second best. Well, at least we're made in his image, okay? So it's it's an honest mistake to make. But once you... Come in into relationship with God. Don't keep making it. You put his relationship with you first. You do, you move heaven and earth to stay close to him. You got me? Cause he did that for you. Amen. When you commune with someone, you reason with them. You are able to share their thoughts. You're able to share their mind. You feel their, their, uh, desires. You feel what's important to them. You, you get to know them. You get to, um, uh, um, I guess you, you share heart together. You share goals. You share ideas. That's what communing and reasoning with someone, one does. In Isaiah 1, if you'll turn there, it, um, uh, Isaiah said, and talking about the Lord and, and about the day of the Lord that he prophesied about. Isaiah talked a lot about restoration, uh, restoration of Israel, but restoration and relationship, you know, I mean, um, this is where the church, uh, historically, and when I say church, I mean the, the people of the living God, uh, the Israelite and the Christian. This is where we miss it. When you say restoration, people immediately think material things. Right, right. You don't think about restoring your soul, restoring you. You think because what happens is once we get saved, we start thinking, you know, what do I need? And in the restoration process, you don't know what you need. You ever seen these uh, uh, old homes where people... Uh, go in and, and start restoring them. You know, uh, um, say for instance, little girl, a rehab addict, that's her name. Uh, she, she's from Michigan, as a matter of fact. And, um, she will go into homes, uh, and she picks them out and she buys them. She puts bids on these homes, especially when they're about to be demolished. She's even fought in the city council at different different cities where she sees these homes to when they're slated to be torn down or something. She will beg that they would save it and sell it to her so that she can restore it. People who have an eye for beauty or an eye for uh 
the 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 um, image that this thing portrayed and what it meant and all this kind of stuff, they feel very passionately sometimes about those things. But also, they have a vision for what it's supposed to be like when it's restored. Like she will go into a house and as she's working on different things, she said, now this you can't get anymore because at that time when they, she knows the history of all this architecture. She knows the history of the house. She knows how to repair it so she doesn't destroy any of the things that are very valuable in it. She knows all of that stuff. What's the same way with us in the Lord. He knows what he originally planned for each and every one of us and he sees how the devil is trying to tear it up. So now that we come into relationship with us, he wants the freedom to put us back together again the way he created us from the beginning. His initial plan for your life, his initial what what your gifts are, your abilities are, you have no clue what you need. So that's why it's good to have fellowship with God because then he can inform you of who you really are. He can inform you of the glory that he's going to bring into your life as he puts back into you the confidence that you're valuable, the understanding of what your gifts are. He puts that into us in the restoration process. So you can't ask for that. You don't even know what you need. It's like a, a, a dilapidated house telling somebody what to do for them. It can't speak. So we ha- you have to depend on God's understanding of who you are. Sometimes you'll get in the presence of God and he'll answer questions that you've had about yourself for years. You got me? Years. He'll show you things that where he was present in your life and you thought everybody had abandoned you. You got me? And and so this is the wisdom of God, the understanding, the mind of God. You don't get that with a distant relationship. You just don't. You you get it through having fellowship with God, having understanding of who you are, coming from him. You don't borrow that from other people. You get that from God. I get so frustrated with people that uh, I'm waiting on God to do this. And why won't he do this? Well, because you're borrowing that. You're looking at what somebody else has. And you're adopting that for you. Well, don't insult God and think he doesn't have anything tailor made for you. He does. Ask him what your stuff looks like. Ask him what he wants to do with your life. Ask him why you're saved. Ask him why you're here. What am I here for, Lord? Why am I, why am I in this world? What is it that I'm called to do? One of the, the joys that God has given me is, is the gift of prophecy that, that oftentimes he will show me people's gift and calling. You understand what I'm saying? That's a joy for me because when I found out who I really was for him, you understand? That brought so much freedom to I could sit back and think. I said, God, that's why I'm like this. Why? That's why this is me. This is it. You need to get those questions answered. You know what I'm saying? Before you leave this earth, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You don't just and see people are timid about doing it because they're always thinking uh, uh, mine isn't going to be as good as yours. I'm not going to be a whatever, whatever. You know, you're going to be who God called you to be. Amen. And once you have that coming from God, you're settled. 
God gives you peace with whatever he tells you that you are to do for him. So it's, it's, this isn't a great mystery, folks. These are things that we, and, and the longer you fellowship with God, the longer you have relationship, the clearer who you are becomes. You're like looking into a mirror. You know, sometimes you, you get out of the shower and the mirror is foggy. You can't see very well. That's what we are. We're looking through a glass darkly. You understand? So we need God to inform us, to fill in, you know, when the fog clears up on the mirror, you can see clearly who you are. So we, we need to understand that. So, so in fellowship with God, your first communion with God is through the remission of sins. Amen. Uh, where we are, Isaiah 1, verse 18 God says come now let us reason together saith the Lord though your sins be as scarlet you know people say who me I didn't do anything wrong uh yeah you (laughs) you was born wrong (laughs) though your sins be as scarlet they shall be as white as snow Though they be red like crimson, they will be as wool. Now, this is the deal is what God says. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. So first thing God assures us of is natural provision. I have no problem taking care of you. So that's a given. This should not be something we stumble over. That should not be something we struggle over. That should not be something we have in doubt about. Whether or not, oh boy, I didn't do this right and I didn't do that right. I'm going to get put out of my house. No, you won't. All you have to do is be willing and obedient. You got me? Both of them. You can't just say, I'm going to do this for God and never step out and do something. You have to be willing and obedient. He says you'll eat the good of the land. So, and this is covenant language. Amen. That means that when it says eat the good of the land, that assumes you're going to work your land. So this is not for loafers. Amen. But you know, there are times where if, if people, the nation of Israel, if they weren't obedient to God, their crops failed. Locusts would come and eat them. Drought would hit. Anything could happen. So when when he promised they'd eat the good of the land, they they're thinking, no more drought, no more locusts, no more failure on the crops. Everything that we plant will come up. Everything we set our hands to will work for us if we're willing and obedient. Tell me what to do. You got me. Sign me up right away. Not only be willing and obedient, but also he empowers us to obey him. So there is nothing he expects of us that we that's impossible for us to do. He gives us the power to obey. He gives us the power to walk away from things that aren't right for us. He gives us the power to stay consistent with him. He empowers us. And that's the the reason for the remission of sins. It's a continual remission of sins. You know, under the old covenant, sin would knock Israel out of blessings of God for many generations. Until they decided to humble themselves and come back to God. 
and then the curse was broken. But it could be on you for many, many years under that system. In in the new covenant, there's no uh, time out. There's no penalty box. Did you hear me? If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you. Not hold it over your head forever, but he cleanses you from all unrighteousness. All. He doesn't care what you do. All. Why does that end there? Cleanse from all unrighteousness. Well, now I could, I could tell, tell Miss Ingrid I forgive her. You know, she might say something a little cross or something to me or, you know, whatever people do to offend you. You know, you, you just, <laughs> you're as responsible for the offense as the other person is. You know, we all got our fake little standards of, you know, as, they may not say nothing that may not look funny at me today. Uh, you know how we do. Everybody's, you know, both people are sinners. You got me? So it's like not, Who's right and who's wrong is never the issue. Except in a court of law. God gets you in a court of law. You have to abide by that. But but really what God's looking at is relationship. He doesn't care. He doesn't care if Miss Ingrid offends me or I offend her. If we get it straightened out and keep the relationship at the end of the day, that's what's important to God. You got me? Why? Because he paid for her sins and mine. It's not like mine are paid for and hers aren't. You understand what I'm saying? Pay for both. And so we have to understand this, you know, and so, so uh, she offends me in something. And I, I say, okay, she says, well, would you forgive me? I say, yeah, but I walk around rolling my eyes at her. <laughs> 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 or, or waiting to pounce on her. Wait a minute, let me wait till she puts her coat on and go out that door. I'm going to jump her. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, God doesn't do that. That's not God's forgiveness. So he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. You know, if if somebody offends you and you don't forgive them, their sin lingers on your soul. You ever feel bad about people and bad about stuff and then you're depressed and it's a mess, a hot mess. And so that's why God cleanses us. He removes it out of your memory. If you quit bringing it up. That's how people fall back into sin. You know, they'll, something stays on their mind, stays on their mind, stays on their mind. You know, fornicators, you know, church people that sleep around or slip around or whatever they do. But, but, you know, they'll, Oh Lord, forgive me. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> if they'd understand that they get cleansed, which means the remembrance of it leaves. You really confess before. You gotta, you gotta understand what you have in God. This is something you need to work out with God in relationship. You got to go to God and help Him to get Him, ask Him to help you get understanding of what remission of sins really means and what atonement really means and what cleansing really means. But if you're cleansed from all unrighteousness, that means the guilt of it, the memory of it, the temptation to do it again and the the um, sense of failure and just give up on fighting it. Yeah. 
And see, this is what gets many people is because they feel bad about it. They can't get it out of their mind. They keep thinking about it. Well, God, I don't know. I, this must not, I, I can't do this. This is too hard. I just, you know, they go start slipping around again. Pretty soon they don't come back to church anymore. They don't want to serve God anymore. Why? They don't get the basics. They don't get the basics. The basic is your relationship with him. You have good relationship with God and that will take you anywhere in the world successfully. That will take you to the, the, the highest places on the earth successfully. That will take you uh, in, in a, a business that doesn't fail. That will give you uh, friends that, that are faithful to you. And if they're not faithful, God will move them and cleanse your heart and you don't hate them. You understand what I'm saying? So fellowship with God is the utmost importance and we keep it through the atonement. You keep your relationship. Through repentance and through the atonement. You can't keep it any other way. People that are easily angry don't understand that God has delivered you from that angry spirit. Can you please believe that? Just let it go. Quit making excuses for it and petting it. And and pretending like it's not as bad as somebody else's. And you want to think about everybody else's worse off than you are. Stop it. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. I mean all unrighteousness. Comparing yourself as being better than somebody else who sins more than you do you think. Let's cut it out. Just go to God with what belongs to you. That You know don't go to him with somebody else on your mind. You know I, I used to play them games with God. And he said I'm not going to talk to you about them. He said I'm going to talk to you about you. Well, God, who's right? Neither one of you. But I'm going to talk to you about you. He said, I'll deal with them. That's my child. You don't tell me how to deal with my own child. Amen. Amen. Now I hear people say, well, I talked to God and he said I was right. He told you no such lie. (laughs) See, you can win the battle and lose the war. I call it the vanity of being right. Here's your trophy. You're right. Take your little trophy home. But you still don't have a relationship with that person. God wants all relationships mended, folks. All of them. All of them. Got me? So our entry into his presence is through the remission of sins. Isaiah 118. Come now, let us reason together. If you're willing or obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured with the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Refuse, rebel. Prisons are filled with rebellious people who have refused sound wisdom, who have refused uh, sound doctrine, Discipline. They've refused to come under the authority of those who are over them. So there is a place for them. And that's, you know, not devoured with the sword sword, but they are in, imprisoned in their own rebellion. So rebellion can form the biggest prison you'll ever be in in your life. Because you're locked into your own ways. And you don't have freedom to choose God's way. 
But he says, if you repent, let you know you just come to me. I don't care what you've done. The worst sin in the world you could do. He says, I'll make it right. I'll make it white as snow. I'll take it away from you. Take that big forgiveness eraser to your life. Erase your brain. Cleanse your brain out. Cleanse your soul out so that your condemnation doesn't beat you up all day long. Uh, uh, Don't live with that devil. You go before God. God, the devil's bugging me about this. Or I don't feel right about this. I need to get this off of me. Can you help me please? That's his job. His job is to work out that reconciliation through the atonement. So the blood is always the entrance to his presence. Always. Amen. Everybody that God, uh, God taught this principle to all of his sons from Adam to Noah, Abraham, Moses, and then Jesus. Amen. So it's been handed down. It's a statute and an ordinance. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Perfect blood has been shed once and for all. Amen. For all of humanity. Amen. So God says, let us reason together. Now, now when he says reason, you need to take him at his word with that. Because if you have problems understanding how to get that, that guilt off of you and how to get to the point where you don't make that same mistake again, that's where the reasoning comes in. See, you talk to God. You, it, to reason really means to argue or to decide and to convince. You need to be convinced you're forgiven. See, you need to be convinced that God's not holding anything against you anymore. You need to be convinced that your your life in God after you repent is as clean as your your life has just as many good possibilities as it did before you sinned. You got to understand that. It's like, you you know, uh, oh, I made a mistake again. That means nothing if you repent. See, because everything God declared over you and for you before you sinned, he declared it now. What you're called to do was decided before Adam and Eve fell. It was decided before the foundation of the earth. Then you get saved and God begins to repeat that very thing that he's talking to you about what he had in mind for you before the fall of man. Before your original parents sinned. Before your natural parents sinned. Before they discouraged you or cast you aside or whatever they did to damage your soul and make you feel worthless. God put something in you of value way before all of that happened to you. So what he's doing now is through relationship, he's bringing that image of you back to you again. Where every day you live with God and the closer you get to God, that image gets clearer and clearer and clearer. So you can really see it and you start to reflect off it and you start to believe it. I can do that, Lord. You that That is who I am. It makes sense to me now. 
This is why I like to sit and meditate and read uh, uh, scripture and read encouraging. I'm called to exhort and encourage people. That's why I like that stuff. You see? And so you'll begin to understand more the closer you get to him. You won't get it by listening to other people and what they talk. That that helps you. That builds you up. But nothing's better than the close-up relationship, the one-on-one. To to reason also means to justify, to correct, and to plead. So when you reason with God, you might engage in all those points in your conversation. God answers some questions for me. You know what? I've been thinking about this for quite a while now. And I want you to tell me, you know, what it means. I want you to help me understand it. Um these are things that that you develop in you as you grow in God. I remember I would panic if I if I didn't have a sermon by Saturday night before I went to bed. I would panic, and God took me out of that. He says, "I don't ever want you to panic with me." He says, "I know what time you got to preach." You got me. Then the nail biting starts. God, don't take my security away from me. <laughs> you know, when really He is our security, Amen. So He started giving me, speaking to me Sunday morning when I wake up. You know, huh? I mean, he'll do all kinds of things. It's part of your relationship. He's going somewhere, even if you're not. Huh? You gonna go along with him or you just gonna sit there and be, be crazy and be furious? You, you're, you're gonna decide to go along with him, amen? So God wants us to be forgiven. That is the whole purpose of this Bible. Everything that he's given us is so that we can know we are forgiven. Forgiveness is such a, an important aspect of his covenant, um, you know, that, that now we got people, Preaching doctrine to take it away from us. Diminish it out of its importance. Hmm? Yeah. I had to deal with somebody about telling people the prayer partners. You don't have to, you don't have to confess your sins because so and so I got their tapes and I got that. I said, no, honey, I took them aside. I said, don't you start that stuff here. Now you're going to not go wreck this whole ministry. <laughs> Based on some nonsense. You're not their pastor. Hmm? You understand me? People will shipwreck you. And I warn people, I said, quit taking books, tapes and stuff from your, your prayer partner and your person you know in the ministry. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, they should respect your spirit more than that. And you should respect your spirit more than that. Very few people that really respect you will start trying to play that role in your life. Some people that don't know any better, will want to start usurping authority. You don't give your spirit over to somebody else. You stay with what's right. And see, the thing of it is, the enemy knows that one of the things that the church is headed toward is a greater glory of God. You start studying the glory of God in the Bible, and you will see that when God's glory would come into a situation, People who had sin on their souls would drop dead in the presence of God. We serve the same God. 
You understand me? That's why we don't have much power many times in our meetings because these people just live any kind of way. The leadership lives, lives in it. If you don't think that makes a difference, what's the hold up? You to give me a better reason for why we don't have more power, more empowered people. We preach the word all the time. These people, they got Bibles, they got cassettes, they got every, but they got everything except teaching you how to live in fellowship with God. You know why people don't teach fellowship with God? They're scared you won't need them. If they ever push you, Toward God enough, you'll realize, okay, God, you use them for that. And that helps me to understand you through their gift, but I won't fellowship with you. Amen. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. You won't be dependent on anybody. You have a real relation. Enoch wasn't. Amen. You ever hear they missed him at church that next Sunday? He just went with God. Amen. Huh? Because he was, he was God's man. He wanted fellowship with God. So don't refuse and rebel. Understand that forgiveness of your sins by the shed blood of Jesus is your entry door to fellowship and communion with God. You know, in our prayer manual, we say repent, confess your sins, plead the blood. And listen, God gave me that manual to write and I still do it every time before you ask any of my prayer partners. Pastor Barb, pray this part. I sure do. I don't skip over that. Are you kidding me? I want righteousness, not mine, but his. You think I'm going to play uh, speak light of his blood and treat that shit as much as he was tortured and tormented on my behalf. No, I'm going to honor and acknowledge the blood every time I want to come into his presence. Are you kidding me? You start doing that, you're up a creek really without a paddle. You'll find people who want to skip over that part live shabby lives. They don't even have the basics and don't understand why. Can't keep a job. Can't keep money. Don't have a roof over their head. So let's cut it out now. You gotta come by way of the blood. You gotta respect what Jesus has done. Every single time you respect what he's done for you. Because he lives in you, you can have 24-7 fellowship with him. You can ring his number anytime. You know how some people you think they really like you and you try that 2 o'clock in the morning call and there's no answer. Well, God's not letting them answer. He wants you to talk to him. He wants you to move with him and live with him and have your being in him. Amen. He wants to be your all in all. Cause you need him. You need, you need that bad. We need fellowship with God worse than we know. Amen. We really do. To be in fellowship means to have partnership. Partner. You're God's partner and He's your partner. Hmm. Wonder what we're partnering in. <laughs> huh? That's what you need to find out from Him. God, what do you have for me to do? What's, what's, what am I called to do? What do you want me to do? It means to participation, distribution. Fellowship also means to be willing to communicate. 
sometimes you you feel so distant from God and like you you're so messed up. You just God, if you got to give me forty lashes, give me forty lashes, but I gotta be close to you. I gotta I gotta get this feeling off of me. You understand what I'm saying? You just and then you find out he he has nothing like that plan. That's your imagination messing with you because it's taken you so long to get out of you and get over into him. You see. And so uh, fellowship means that you walk closely with God. Amen. Jesus cut a covenant with his disciples or what we call the Last Supper. That was a fellowship meal where he actually um, was was setting up the structure of the coming church. The, the people of God, the covenant people of God. In Matthew 26, if you'll turn there. In verse 18, if we'll start there, Jesus tells him, go into the city to such a man and say to him, the master uh, says, my time is at hand and I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And he and and the disciples did as Jesus told them, and they made ready the Passover. Now, when the evening was come, he sat down with the twelve. As they did eat, he said, "Truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me." Now, this is important because when you sat down to break bread with someone, if they weren't willing, or they backed out, they were excused from the meal. In other words, a covenant meant that you were going to be that person's friend forever. Their bills were your bills. You took their, anything happened, this is where the godparent thing comes in. If, if anything happens to you, they're your children's godparents. You are like family. You are one family, one mind, one soul, one flesh. It's what that means. And that is a bond that is only broken subject to death. If you break that, if you betray that covenant, then the one that made the covenant with you has permission to put you to death. And and your children hunt you down, kill off all. You saw how they did. When, when David became king, they were looking for all of Saul's de- descendants to kill them. David had made a covenant with Saul and with Jonathan, which meant that he was going to have to let God handle it. That's why he ran from Saul for 17 years and would not kill him. He had he had opportunities to kill Saul because Saul was trying to kill him. Saul was trying to get out of the covenant by killing David and David was keeping covenant by running from him. And he ran from him and ran from him and finally Saul died in battle. Well, the young man who came and brought David news that Saul was dead and David questioned him. And he told him, he said, I know because he was wounded and I killed him. David told his men, take him out and kill him because he touched God's anointed. See, covenant breakers, that's how they were dealt with back in the day. So you didn't get a chance to go around betraying everybody. You understand what I'm saying? You get a chance to have seven wives and 18 children and don't pay any child support. That's covenant breaking. So that to just to bring it up into our everyday situation, that's a covenant breaker. 
Even if a man promises a woman something and she's crazy enough to have a bunch of kids for him, he don't take He's a covenant breaker. I know it's real common now and we baby mom, we try to cute it up, baby mama, baby daddy, but how would you like to be a child knowing that your father doesn't care enough about your mother to make a home together with you? You gotta see him whenever. He comes and he goes. What kind of life is that? Who lives like that? Covenant breakers live like that. So Jesus tells, uh, tells them somebody, one of you is gonna betray me. And then they were exceeding sorrowful and, and rightfully so. You see how the, even the, the, the thought of sin brings sorrow to a person's soul? Just knowing that somebody was going to do that caused that mourning to come over them. And he said, one of you are going to betray me. They were sorrowful again. Each one, Lord, which one is it? Is it me? Is it me? Is it me? So they were wanting to know so that they wouldn't be guilty of that. And they had a chance to get it straightened out. You know, if you see something coming, please let me know. Because I don't want to go down like that. And he answered, he said, "He, the one who dips his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. He offered that dish to Judas. The son of man goes as it is written of him, but woe to him that causes that to be happened. It's better that he had not been born. And Judas, which betrayed him, said, Master, it is I. And he said, you have said so. So Jesus, in cutting this covenant, opens up the door and the way for us who will follow his disciples. We are disciples of Christ. This is the way to have fellowship with him. He wants us to have continual fellowship through the shed blood. And he goes on to tell them, this is my body that is broken for you. This is my blood that is shed for you for the remission of your sins. My body is broken for your healing, for your rebuilding. In other words, I'm going to restore you. To the beauty and the glory that I intended for you from the beginning of the world. And the way to it is through my shed blood. He said so reconciliation, restoration, all of that is coming to you. But you've got to stay in communion and fellowship with me. It comes through fellowship. You know, you even in the natural, you spend enough time with a person, especially somebody you care about, you start to talk like them, think like them, act like them. You know, you pick up, we do that. Because why? Because we're looking for that perfect image to look into. See, we're, we're made in his image. We're copies. We're always looking for the original. When you find Jesus, you got the real thing. You got the original. Amen. So follow him and you'll always have good fellowship. So then communion is the covenant table. In other words, we keep covenant through unhindered fellowship. That's what God really wants, folks. He's, I mean, you can work for him and preach for him and travel the world for him, but he wants fellowship. You're incomplete without the fellowship. That's really what he wants. See, you can get saved and you can, God can bless you, work real hard for God, sow seeds, plant things. He puts you in a building. He gives you bunches of people. And then you start getting assistance to do the work you used to beg God to let you do. Y'all got me? 
And and so then you get more and more distant from him. <laughs> well, he died for you to have fellowship. He don't care about your assistance. Don't be telling him about your people. You got people. Oh God, you know I spend time with you, but I got people. I got stuff to do for you. And uh, uh-uh, you better. He shed his blood for you to sit down at the table with him. He shed his blood for you to dine with him. He shed for you to kick your feet, your shoes off under the table and rest in his presence. That's why you just kick back and relax because we might be here for a while. You got me? Uh, I look at these little <laughs> people send me stuff on, on the internet. One minute prayer. Why would you give God a minute? Really? Seriously? You're that busy? I mean, I realize we all booked up and we important and all this kind of stuff, but come on now, a minute? And worse than that, people go for it. You ought to see the people looking for the minute prayer. Just enough time to spit out what you want and walk away. You don't give me no minute. You don't know how long we might need. <laughs> God, I'm going to kick my shoes off and slide them up my feet under the table and get comfortable so we can really deal. I got this thing that I keep thinking I'm supposed to do and I don't know if I'm supposed to do it or not. God, can you help me? If you don't let him have that, it'll turn into a lust in your heart. You understand? It'll keep bugging you and grow in intensity till the devil gets a hold of it and then you just die if you don't get it. Why did that happen? Because you didn't have fellowship with him. Fellowship with him will straighten everything out. It'll put all your ducks in a row. It'll put the vegetables here, the fruit here. It'll put the milk over here. It'll put the meat in the freezer. You understand what I'm saying? It'll get everything sorted out where it belongs. So he died for fellowship, not just to meet you in heaven one day. He wants servants and friends and family and brothers and sisters while you're down here on earth. Amen. At the covenant table, you talk, you listen, you break bread. Hmm? And you have these approved topics like you're doing business with God. You're cutting a deal with him. Everything's laid out there on the table. Yeah, I mean, the table not only was a place for for eating, but it was a, a place for business. It was like a desk, as well as a table. And and the most important part of your covenant are the terms of it, and that's what you got to have through that back and forth dialogue with God. You ever notice since we've had fast food, everybody scattered. Fast food and cell phones have killed family relationships. Why? Because everybody's used to eating by themselves. They don't feel lonely eating by themselves. I've been the only one for 16 years and I still don't feel good eating by myself. I don't like it. But I'll see people go grab the, grab the food, sit in front of the TV and they could care if anybody else. You understand? Turn that thing off. If you don't have any other company, you got God. That's why we don't bless our food anymore. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh huh. You don't have time to because you're so glued to that 
crazy too. At the dinner table, children would get, you know, parents would get with their kids and the kids would start, well, how was your day, Johnny? And everybody keep their head down until Johnny said a certain something. And the dad would say, really? Tell me more. Mm-hmm. See, that's where you got Johnny out of trouble and you kept him with the right friends. You got him to understand what life was really all about. Amen. It wasn't about this and it wasn't about that. Hmm? That's where you straighten bid. That's where you, that's where the terms of the covenant were taught. Johnny, if you're going to live in this house, we expect you to be in here at 10 o'clock on school nights. You don't go, unless you're doing homework, you're right here every night. You understand what I'm saying? Well, I got my cell phone. You can call me. No, you ain't going nowhere. I don't need to call you. Call you right from here to there. But you're not going anywhere. You understand me? Because parents got a feeling for their children where they were straying too far away from the family values. This is a value thing. Nothing to do with restricting your freedom. You call child protective services if you want to. But I'm still your mother. I'm still your father. You got me? You just keep that. You know, that's where it was done at the dinner table. Now everybody's too busy. Everybody works, go to school, got sports to do, busy doing what? Staying away from each other. Avoiding relationship. Avoiding fellowship. That's why now we got these people living in the basement and they're 30 years old and all of a sudden they start collecting guns through the mail. Nah, I, I had no idea he was, it was anything wrong. Yeah, you don't know him. He's been living away from you all the time he's been in your house. You don't have fellowship. You don't have relationship. John 1. 1 John. I'm sorry. 1 John 1. And people say, oh, that's old fashioned. You got to come out. Uh-uh. That's good fashion. Amen. Old, new. I don't care what it is. It's all good as far as I'm concerned. Because it'll take care of some things in your life. First John one, verse three: That which we have seen and declare we unto you, that you may, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ. So He's talking about church people fellowshipping with one another. And you have fellowship with God and with Jesus Christ through loving one another. Verse 4, and these things we write unto you that your joy may be full. You won't have full joy. You ever notice people say, oh, I haven't been to church in a while. And I went to church today and boy, I felt good. Or you get involved in a new a uh, new fellowship or something like that. And you there's something that comes into your spirit, a life that comes in there that would be dormant had you not had that. Well, God promises to meet with you when you gather two or three together in his name. You got me? Amen. Now, he loves you and he lives with you, but there's something different about fellowship that allows a greater measure of his approval to come in there. Says this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness. 
If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and that's not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. Now, if we say we have no sin, like these people, oh, you don't have to confess your sin so much, you know, God forgives you. Uh Uh-uh, that's a lie. He said, if you say you have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. It is words not in us. So what more evidence do you need? These people who tell you don't have to do, why you want to cut corners with God? If you want, if anything, you want to do more because it is God. I'd rather go overboard confessing and know I'm forgiven than cut corners and live out there by myself. Is that crazy or what? So you don't cut corners with God. You you seek to do more for him. Second Corinthians 5 since 618 tells us he has given us this ministry of reconciliation. That is his top priority. Not who's right and who's wrong. But having us have fellowship with one another. Break down the walls that separate us. If there's offense, confess, forgive, make it right. And have fellowship. You got me? Allow God to come in and show you how great his love is. How superior his covenant is to help our lives. Keys to communion with God. Number one, to seek him. Humble yourself before him and seek his face. Number two, repentance. Turn away from sin. When you turn toward God, he's a holy God. So you got to turn away from that. Confess your sins and ask forgiveness. Number three, leave a life of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving and praise at all times. Just be quick to enter into his presence. Number four, fellowship with him in his word. Open that Bible and start talking to him about it. God help me to understand this. Show me what you want me to know from this. Number five, converse with him and find out what he has for you to do. What is his plan for you? And number six, let him prepare you for the work he has you to do. You don't have to do nothing but say yes and say, lay it on me. I'm ready. I'm not going to fight you, God. I said yes to you. Now I want the relationship with you. I want to live a life of praise and thanksgiving before you. I want to live a life being grateful to you. I want to live a life gaining understanding of why I'm here, who I am. Let's have some fun, God. Let me and you have some F-U-N. Amen. And just allow that relationship to develop. Maximize your, your relationship and fellowship with him. It's such a tremendous blessing. So really a blessing. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us understanding. Thank you for loving us and wanting us to be around you all the time. 
That's so good. Father, we bless you and we praise you and we thank you for what you've imparted to us today. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. So if anybody needs prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you.